0: This is one of those times where we just went straight into advice mode on the relationship driven growth strategy sessions (laughs) because the guests that we had lined up, uh, the audio setup was malfunctioning. So the community for the win again. So now you get to see behind the scenes of the AMAs that we host right after the show in which we call the relationship driven growth strategy sessions. In this one, we started off with how you break into new verticals using content And uh, it went from there into a whole bunch of awesome other uh, pieces of advice. Enjoy this. I hope that you join us. We're only going to do this for another couple of weeks. Then I'm shutting it down for December. And then we're coming back with a vengeance in January. So if you want to join us live for a show and talk to us afterwards, get some free advice, uh, basically for whatever you're, you're trying to get at. Um, come to the relationship-driven growth strategy sessions. You just join one of our live shows, stick around for the end, or you just come kind of like 45, 50 minutes into the show already and um, just stick around for the second part. So hope to see you at one of these. This is why we do the live internet talk show. It's so that you can interact with experts one-to-one, build strategic relationships, build strategic relationships once a few with a community that shows up in this case when the expert wasn't able to go the community filled in and we were able to do it that way so it has a bunch of great benefits and i hope that you join us for one of these go check it out if you know how it is then you know how it might be but think what it would look like if you grow your own community it ain't easy that's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me welcome To the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community? When you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue. That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable. How to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short term goals and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This shows for you if you are a CEO. CMO or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community you are just a commodity but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities this show is for you If you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy, this show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. We're just gonna go straight into our relationship-driven growth strategy session. So uh I'm Pablo Gonzalez, founder of P and CEO of Stage. Did anybody show up with something that they wanted to discuss already? Or do you want me to just kind of go into the two or three bullet points that I have of things to talk about?
1: I want to hear what's on
0: your mind, Pablo. What's on Pablo's Ah, mind? All right, cool. I'll take that. The first thing that's on my mind is the value of the novice, specifically when it comes to content creation. I was just in a conversation last week with our biggest client, JWB, who's the big case study that we talk about, right? The Not Your Average Investor Show. Yeah, Robert, that's definitely part of it. And we are just about rounding off the end of year three into this experiment of how we can create community being a lot from a live internet talk show that has worked so famously for them. And just two weeks ago, somebody that is a local real estate investor here in Jacksonville that has met me before through local networking events and knows of JWB because they're the category king of real estate here in in Jacksonville, reached out to Greg and was like, hey, man, I just... I want to say I really really enjoy the show and specifically the idea that Pablo isn't a real estate expert and he's able to have the perspective of the client and ask the questions that people are ashamed to ask in the room adds a ton of value to the show and I find myself really drawn to that perspective. And I say that not to not to talk about how valuable I am as much as to encourage the idea that when it comes to content creation, it's this massive opportunity, right? Like I have in in three years, I've gone from not knowing anything about real estate to now investing in three different rental properties. And I'm going and speaking at a real estate conference next week in Vegas, still have the novice perspective in mind. But what it's allowed me to do is By adding the novice perspective to the equation, it allowed me to, A, get my first foundational client that has allowed me to build this company based on this service and proof of concept of something that I, for a very, very long time, believed in but didn't know how to deliver on, and B, it's allowed me to build a a massive brand inside of this world that I was a complete outsider in. So I see this as this giant opportunity, right? Whatever your whatever your next move is, right? Like well, you're an expert in something right now and you're trying to break into a certain space. I think it's a massive opportunity to approach somebody that is established in that space that you have a relationship with it, right? Because you've been curious about the space and you've been seeking mentorship in it and offer this idea of why don't we host a content stream at whatever capacity you're able to do right like host a content stream where they can serve as the expert and you can serve as a novice and you can ask those questions and, and play that it's the archetype of the noble fool right like child from the emperor wears no clothes is an actual archetype that exists across very very many cultures right so like it it, it is proven to have value and if you can use that to break in that's one thing Robert Snyder said, you can also leverage a novice that wants to break in if you want to be the subject matter expert and offer them the ability to draft off of your personal brand and your network and your knowledge by playing that role. And from Greg's point, my who's my client, I basically show up and it's all done for him and he gets to show up and be the subject matter expert, right? So if you're trying to, if you have the expertise already and you want to have this content stream, find someone that's really hungry and approach them with the idea of, why don't you just show up and ask me the dumb questions, right? Like no pressure on you, like you're expected to have this stuff. And as long as you're organizing this on the background and you can set things up, I just think it provides this unique opportunity for symbiotic relationships in co-creating brands and co-creating value that had never really been so apparent to me up until I, I started in this process. And now even three years later, it still continues to pop up. So my point is, if you're a subject matter expert that feels like you need more content or you're a novice that needs to break into a certain industry, being the person that brings that thing together is a giant opportunity for both of you. And most people that I talk to, when they want to create as much content as we create or we create for ourselves or we create for clients, it's always like time or money or something is short there, right? Or like, I don't have the experience. And I think that bringing these things together is a major, major opportunity that I don't think a lot of people really think about. So I'd like to say that and and open this up. Yeah, yeah, Penny, this is for, it's the idea of having a two-person show, right? Like if you don't have the bandwidth to stand up the show yourself, but you have the expertise you want to share, find somebody with a bandwidth that can stand it up. And now you're showing up and not just having single one-person sessions, right? Even you, Penny, if you're going to talk about your expertise and you're going to create um, the tax plan for the nomad content creator for 2023, you know, you can show up and just talk to a camera or you can show up and talk to somebody like me. That's lesser educated that as you're just kind of show up with your bullet points, right. Of what you want to hit on, you can just start and then they can ask you a question and you can continue to elaborate. And it's a much more user-friendly way of producing content than having to come up with a presentation for everything that you want to share. Don, you got a hand up. Talk to me. I've always got my hand up,
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I just find the whole because, as you know i've been I've been studying you, Pablo, and looking at what. <laughs> Because, as you know, with human rights, there's so many subjects that I can cover. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm writing books on so many different subjects within human rights. It's like, how do I build that community? Mm -hmm. And I had an amazing conversation with Laurie yesterday. I stalk all of you, Deb, don't worry. (laughs) Got to know who I'm dealing with. But it it just like, well, how do I create a community that's interested in human rights when I've got a book that's just come out on menopause? And oh, my God, the messages and the emails I'm getting from women around the world on this book and men. Um, So we need to create a community for women that are going through the menopause. But equally, we're looking at a community for Deb, for Debbie, who's just we're just about to launch her book, Alive to Thrive, about uh, why women can uh, try to commit suicide. And, you know, there are lots of uh, different subjects in that what led them to it. So building a community for human rights activists, author activists, when there's so many aspects and facets to it. Is been this is why I've not jumped yet because analysis paralysis possibly, but uh, <laughs> getting it right over Achiever in house. Um, just wanting to make sure that we, when we launch the community, um, that we actually are doing it in a way that we attract all the um activists that we want mm-hmm. and cover all the subjects in the books. But without having others feel alienated, like, oh well, this isn't my subject, why am I here? So mm-hmm. that's why I'm kind of softly, softly catchy monkey, as they say. I don't know if you have that phrase in in America, but we have it here.
0: I like it. So now what is your I've heard that I've heard that saying and only because I'm friends with Gareth. Um what is so what is the what, what is being on the holiday. Podcast? What does he do on holiday is what I want to know. The guy lives in Orlando. Basically, he lives between Birmingham and or whatever Southampton and Orlando. Anyways, um, so are you saying how do you leverage this concept to build a community in the in this space in the in the um, in the human rights space? How do you leverage the novice? Or are you? Is there a question in what you said? I guess it was my my question.
2: Yeah. Well. Obviously, I've got, I started the podcast with someone who wasn't as great as he thought he was, um, and I've had a lot of um, feedback, shall we say, on that podcast, which Mm -hmm. is a, um, which I started because I wanted to have... um, experiential learning for my students in the author academy mm-hmm. but also obviously as a, an opportunity for me to invite people who work in different areas of cultural diversity and human rights to come on the, the show and give them some um, be the stage mm-hmm. um and um but when we take that to the next level mm-hmm. um obviously I've had to invest in better microphone and sound quality stuff and like producer and editor but it's how do I grow the community where everybody is discussing uh, human rights from their perspective? Because I don't want it to be political or academic, because yeah. the, the sooner we get human rights understanding as a way of life, mm-hmm. the sooner we all live in a better world. I mean, there are reasons why we have the... Yeah,
0: Don, my my thesis in what you are seeking here is that the community that you create is going to be about how to evangelize human rights and not necessarily about everybody's individual cause that they are evangelizing right like if you are if you get a if you get a room full of people that are all pulling in a in a different direction and that's what they want to talk about it's not it's not really going to work i think your challenge is to figure out what the common theme of the things that they all struggle with and how do we attack that theme or how do we, you know, overcome that challenge in a way that applies to each of the different lanes, right? Like when I think about what you're asking me, I think what you need to, the concept that we teach is figuring out the content lanes of what the community is going to be about, right? So within the, within the fight for human rights, I think everybody has everybody needs access to more people. Everybody needs a way to get the message out at a bigger megaphone. Everybody needs access to uh funding to a certain extent. And there's probably and 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 everybody needs support from burnout because it's such a heavy topic. And it can, and it can, you know, like you can become like a toxic depository of. All the ills that you're trying to solve in the world, right? So if you create a container where the conversation is either we're going to talk about how do we communicate more effectively. And within the communicating more effectively, there is, you know, uh social media strategies and there is PR and there is blah blah blah, right? That that's one container. Another container is how do we fundraise and how do we how do we raise funds for this stuff? And there's a bunch of stuff there. Another container is what was the I already forgot the lanes that I said, right? How do you take care of yourself when you're going through this mission? And you and you make that kind of the core values of the community and the lanes that everybody agrees to talk about, you know, that now provides something where somebody that's writing for, that's fighting for uh women's rights in Zimbabwe can also be talking about somebody that's fighting the AIDS epidemic in the Congo. And, and you are, you're talking, and I don't even know if these are, you know, relevant things in these places. I'm assuming they are just because- um but um you know you now then create that space where if someone just starts railing about yeah but my issue is bigger it's like that's cool listen that's not what we're here to talk about we're here to just talk about how do we create better you know ways of doing this or better ways of doing this that can apply for any issue okay so i think you know your success will be in when we create these content lanes, we think about it across three specters, right? Is this interesting to me? Do I trust this person? And is it for me, right? So, like in these in these content lanes, usually two of them are: is it interesting to me, right? Like, are are the are you able to talk about something that they actually have a pain with and want to come talk about, right? And then the, and then the deal is from there is provide a certain level of credibility which which allows for people to and that can be you or that can be the guest or that can be you know it, I, usually that's kind of what, what it is is one of you were the guest or the subject matter or whatever whatever you're talking about and is it for me it's it's the how can you contextualize it to the current situation where they're in right so a the head of an NGO that has um that doesn't have a board and really hasn't raised a lot of money and they're just out there on their own they're not really that worried about um you know how do i go present to the un or whatever right like that's probably too far for them so it's like getting it getting the conversation to meet the person in the place where they are in the journey um so kind of the way that you intersect those three things with with the content lanes that you're going to be proposing will then speak to the community of people that you create they're all they they should all be interested in these things be in a certain, be at a certain point in their journey where it's applicable and have faith in either your experience or the experience of the person that you're bringing on.
2: Yeah. Cause one of the things that a lot of people, I mean, like I so said, I've just, we we're just about to publish Debbie's book and I've held space for 10 women that have been through some harrowing experiences um, but for them to have shared their full story in a whole book by themselves was too much for them. So working with me on an anthology has been a great stepping stone for them. But a lot of people tend to think this is such a big subject. How do I even tackle it? How do I get involved with it? Because there's so much to do. And then, like you say, like there's the funding aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, people are like, well, there's no funding available, but <laughs> there actually is. So mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate that. Thank
0: yeah. you very much. And and right there, you've identified two things that I think are content topics slash like that fit neatly into lanes, right? Like, how do I even begin talking about something so daunting to me as a, a conversation inside of the where, how do I take care of myself or how do I communicate this best kind of bucket? And then where's the funding is one of the lanes that we totally, totally identified, right? So like creative ways to fund um, writing your book creative ways to fund, um, you know, an extra level of support in an operation, right? Like these types of things are all contextualized into different points on the journey.
3: Okay,
1: Thank
0: you. Yeah, cool. All right. Anybody else?
1: I'll just tag onto that by saying, when I started my community building journey in 2020, I did over 30 virtual workshops to connect people who all had a message of wanting to find calm. <laughs> And so the, the common problem was I'm stressed. I don't feel calm. I want to feel calm. And then after the finding calm, I attached that onto different things, finding calm with essential oils, finding calm Mm -hmm. with your money mindset, finding calm with coworkers. I don't know. Like I had, I had 50 different ones that we had lined up. It became overwhelming and, and stressful, which is why you talk about teams and partners and outcomes and goals and stuff. But just to say that I think finding that common thread that connects things, like if there's a common thread there, and I know there is for you, Dawn, I'm always happy to workshop that stuff with you. So let me know. You know,
0: I got you. Yeah, I like that. So, yesterday,
2: Laurie says, I need to sort out uh, Mighty Networks with you anyway, because I'm moving away from the um, learning platform that I was using. Cool.
0: Yeah. That, that to add context to what you said, finding calm is this interesting in mindset, in whatever is, is this for me, right? Like, it's like, I'm interested in finding calm. Is it for me when I'm actually dealing inside those different topics, right? That's that's just how we've evolved to look at it. And we that's like how
1: I started, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had that big breakthrough probably about a month ago when JWB actually asked me to re-engineer all the, all the content pillars for them and not just re-engineer from a topical standpoint, from a way that we could A, make our show and community kind of like nuclear reactor, jive with the rest of the marketing team and the articles that they're writing in PR and whatnot. We wanted a way to organize things. And instead of organizing things by subject, we went back to these fundamental questions of like, what are the things that are answering? Is this interesting to me? What are the things that are answering? Is Do I trust you? And what are the things that are answering? Is this for me? Pairing those to common objections and then organizing it by the actual topics of the conversations. And it really led to like a really nice system of us being able to communicate back and forth and I don't have to come up with all the ideas anymore. (laughs) And at the end of the day, they're more validated, right? Because I'm getting them from from the community themselves. And also, if a writer goes out and puts something in the Jacksonville Business Journal and it does well, then we're like, okay, why don't we bring it over here? And how does it translate to a community conversation? So it great. Oof, that was a golden nugget right there. I'm gonna have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in, connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't already hit five-star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. So yeah, Christine, I'd love to hear from you kind of what, uh, what brought you here? Did you have anything that you wanted to talk about or any expectations? I, I know that we were talking about messaging and culture and I definitely, I'm all in on that.
2: Yes,
4: yes. Well, hello, everybody. Nice to meet you. Uh, this is my first time. So I feel, you know, like the new kid in class that the teacher introduces and the kid just kind of goes down in their seat. But nope, I'm going to sit tall and stand tall. Dawn, it's really interesting actually to hear what, what you were talking about. So already I'm extremely intrigued by everybody and the many things I expect to learn here. But yeah, so I learned about Pablo through the podcast with Refine Labs. So I don't know if everybody is familiar. It was Megan Bowen and Jessica Williams, the company here in the States. They're a digital marketing agency. And really everybody in the company is just super communicative on LinkedIn. They're always posting and just popped up in my feed. And actually it's interesting. The very first podcast I even listened to was the podcast they had with Pablo. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I just really like this guy. He just seems to get it. And the discussion was mostly about building community in your business and creating a talent destination. That's what Refine Labs does. And, you know, they just they want to bring and attract people to their company for a variety of reasons. One, they can bring themselves who they are, which has always been so important to me. Full inclusivity, which is also very important to me. Nobody is perfect, right? nobody has got it 100% all together. And it's wonderful that this is being spotlighted now so that people really can be who they are and companies and direct reports can focus on their strengths and team them up with other folks who maybe, you know, they might, not have as much strength in another area. So instead of saying weakness or ah, you can't work on that, it's hey, I'm gonna partner you with so and so and you guys are just gonna rock it out together, which I just I love that concept. And it's been hidden for so long. So you know just listening to Pablo and Refined Labs and then continuing to get to know Pablo more by listening to his podcast. And he and I've had a few chats on LinkedIn through Messenger and I'm just super excited to be here and um, I'm sweating a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: hilarious. Well, you, Steve. That's cool. That's really cool. If you're not connecting the dots, I talk about Chris Walker very often. That's the guy that founded Refined Labs along with Megan Bowen. And Megan has an awesome podcast called The Talent Destination, which is all about how to essentially create a talent destination, which I think is the ultimate advantage. And I was lucky enough to be on that. But yeah, this is super... Super pumped to have you here, Christine. You know, Christine, I mentioned the, the Jim Collins book, Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0, and you've inspired me to reread it. I'm actually in, I'm in business planning for myself for next year. And I read this last year as I was working on that. And our conversation has inspired me to pick this thing back up. And I'm already like a couple of chapters in and relisting. And it's just, it's so awesome. I, I started with this. So this is like the second edition is... All right, now I'm just scatterbrained, right? So Jim Collins is the foremost thinker of how to build an enduring business of this generation, right? Like you'd say Peter Drucker was the first kind of like archetype of that, then Jim Collins. And he's been answering that question for 25 years or asking that question for 25 years. His first book was called Beyond Entrepreneurship and it was like the roadmap of what he had learned on how to build an enduring company for a small to mid-sized company, not these Fortune 500s. And then he went off to write books like Good to Great, which is like companies that went from being part of the pack to just like completely outpacing the pack. Um, built to Last, companies that have endured a really really long time. I think it's How the Mighty Fall or something like that. Was like companies that were on top of their game and dropped it. So he's he's answered each one of these like specific inflection points of different companies, and then he went back and rewrote, or at least he readded Beyond Entrepreneurship. I don't know if you can see this, but like. There's white pages and gray pages, and the gray pages are the new stuff, right? So he updated it all with everything he's learned, and it's just this like phenomenal guidebook to how to build a business for the average business. It's not for like a Fortune 500, it's people like us, right? And in the middle of it, there's this roadmap that he wrote that is like what the roadmap should be and where you need to be at what points of building a business. I just find incredible, incredible value in reading this thing. (laughs) And one of the big updates, like his first chapter that he was like, man, if I would have written it all over again, I would have started with people. And it's all what we talked about, Christine, this idea of the right people in the right seat of the right bus is the thing that powers this whole thing. So just like, I'm super pumped that you kind of like reinvigorated it because it really was a beginning of like me understanding this idea that. Community externally doesn't really work sustainably in any way if you don't have community internally. And that's the path that we've been on. And I think Rowan can attest to this idea that we have invested very heavily in in culture at Be The Stage and in building this like remote team full of people that all really enjoy each other and genuinely know each other. And it's my favorite thing in the world. So thank you.
4: Oh, it's my pleasure. And gosh, I mean, how exciting my life has been since communicating with you. So thank you for that compliment really in introducing something to you. So that's pretty fabulous.
0: Right on. Right on. I appreciate it. Robert. Okay. Robert says another valuable entrepreneurship idea I've heard of is the five kinds of entrepreneur Irish guy with an even more Irish kind of name. It's all about reducing risk. Robert, I would love to, man, we haven't spoken since I, I, very little since we hung out in Chicago for like two days at one time. You want to kind of come on and let us know what, what brought you back and kind of.
3: Yeah, well, so I need. I knew I needed a break today. I knew this would be informative, educational, fun, entertaining. So you had me at hello. And how many other cheesy movie lines can I throw in here? Um, and so bingo. It's lovely to meet everyone and just be a sponge and hear what people are passionate about at the moment. Yeah, while someone else is talking or Pablo is you going, I'll, I'll try to find this. Uh, it was a Google talk. Mm-hmm. And this guy... I'll take a stab at it but I'll, I'll look for it although probably you may be ending the call in 3 minutes too. But he this guy talked about the five kinds of entrepreneur and I thought it was valuable because it's on all along the spectrum of where we are with like a corporate day gig so that we can really work from a place of passion and not worry about cash flow. So I don't know if Dawn is, is Dawn's laughing at something in the chat or Dawn's laughing at me or with me but I but that was could
0: hilarious. Could be all of above.
3: <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Thanks for welcoming me back, Pablo. And I'm gonna go back on mute and try to find this thing in case cool. anyone else finds this uh, the five kinds of entrepreneur thing helpful.
0: Got it. I appreciate it. So, Robert being here reminds me of something that I can definitely share a value, and it's the reason we met is a playbook that I have that is when I travel to conferences or events. I like to show up a day early and my goal for when I'm walking into a conference is the idea that everybody that goes to one of these like full of people that they don't know events, their biggest fear is to feel alone in a room full of people that they don't know. So my goal for by the end of day one is to be somebody that has four to five people around me that makes it obvious that they can use me as like home base and use each other as leverage to go two at a time and get into conversations. And one of the ways that I accomplish that is that the day before the conference starts, I make sure to get there early. If I can stay at a, if I'm at the conference hotel, great. If not, I'll try to stay at a hotel that is close by and find out if it has like a cool happy hour spot or like a cool event place, something like that. Or just find out where there's like a cool rooftop or something somewhere close by that is a low friction place to show up to. Karaoke is next day, right? Dev's been part of that. But what I do is I will message the people that I know are going to the conference ahead of time to find out when they're going, right? Like I'll do like a search on social media to see who of the people that I'm trying to connect with who that I have may have met in the past. And I'll also look at my LinkedIn network and just be like, in this city, who is in my LinkedIn network? And I will literally send 50 to 100 messages just saying, hey, I'm here for this conference. Or like if they're going to the conference, I'm like, I'm coming a day early. If I would love to just like meet people ahead of time so we show up and not alone, let's meet for happy hour at this place, right? And then I'll also message my network on LinkedIn and say, I'm coming to the city, me, me or you, Robert, we hadn't met yet, right? Like I was like, we haven't had a chance to meet. I'm inviting people from this event that I'm going to. And I think that we can just do a mixer and kind of like mix both networks. And what ends up resulting is that you're able to host a networking event in a city that you don't live in. And it doesn't really cost much, right? Like if you just tell people, I'm having a bunch of people show up at this time, at this place, and then play the role of facilitator and introducer to each other. When they show up, you create this like event where you just hosted a networking event. You just had your own event for your company or your personal brand or however you want to do it. And you get to connect with people that you've only known online and reconnect with people that you haven't seen in a long time that you forgot lived in that city because they're in LinkedIn and connect with people for the conference ahead of time. And now the next morning when the conference registration is happening, there's already, you know, five, six, 10 people that are like, yeah, I was doing this thing already with Pablo and you're already becoming that kind of like center of the universe for a group of people. And then as I approach the rest of the day, right, like I'm very deliberate about being in the registration line and making as many friends as possible and then trying to pull them into that because really it's by the time that that opening night networking session happens, I like to have like a group of like five to 10 people that feel safe seeing me as like home base. And that creates a super valuable for me, but it's also super valuable for folks that just, you know, it's intimidating to like, go get in a conversation when you're done with that conversation. What do I do? Do I now check my phone? Do I go try to start another conversation? Oh, there's that like pack of people that I was already kind of like semi-comfortable in the dance circle over there. And it's, it's turned out to be a really, really good strategy for me going forward. When Robert and I met, I was going to this like company launch in Chicago and I had been to a conference in Chicago before. And the guy that I thought was the coolest guy at the conference had stayed at the Drake hotel. So I stayed at the Drake hotel. Cause I knew they had these, this like cool, like historic bar and they have this like tea ceremony thing that they do. They bring you like these like teas and these like things. And we ended up, it was like, what Robert, like maybe like 15 people. And we ordered these like big things of tea and all shared them and, at the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, I picked up the tab and it was like 400 bucks, but like 400 bucks to like host an event for your company with a bunch of people bringing it together and being the host of a party like that has added great, you know, great wealth capital, you know, cap- relationship capital to my life. Like people like Robert, who I get to see a year later and comes to my show, right? So just a, just a piece of advice for anybody when you're going to a conference, like check in your LinkedIn feed for who lives there and the people that you want to connect ahead of time. And trying to create that like thing before the day before of where you meet up at a bar just for a drink and talk and like talk about your goals for the conference has been super valuable to me. Don, you had me at tea, of course. Anybody ever done anything like that? Anybody have any like show up first day of conference moves or or, or conference playbook or anything that's worked for you in one of these types of events? Penny, Yes.
5: So I try to volunteer. I'll be a volunteer at the the very first volunteer session and I'll greet people as they're coming in. And that's, I was able to connect with a guy that I hadn't seen in three years at FinCon this year because I, my volunteer position put me in the lobby. I saw him. I remembered the name of his channel, talked to him for a while and renewed a conversation and then was able to refer somebody else to him. And so that really worked out well for me to be able to connect people. And I could say, Hey, tell him when you connect, when you talk to him, it was the lady that remembered his name in the hotel lobby.
0: Super smart. Super smart. Right. Like volunteer at the registration thing for the night before or the orientation thing. And all of a sudden, like anybody that meets you for the rest of the conference, they're like, I'm with the band.
2: When I go to sailing events and there's like a regatta or something, because I don't drink, I offer to work behind the bar because then I don't get to drink. But I get to meet every single sailor and captain that's there and they all know who I am. But Robert has just dropped in the comments that he is snake hips. So, well, you put Latin dancing. Seriously, dude, I've just come back from Latin America. <laughs> oh, and I miss it so much.
3: <laughs> I had just never heard the nickname.
2: Did you not watch Dirty Dancing?
3: I've seen parts of it, but I don't think I've seen it front
2: Dirty to back. Dancing, like you're our age. <laughs>
3: Are you calling me old or just defensive about my age?
2: Hey, if you're defensive, I'm not defensive about my age. I know I'm 12. No, we're the same age, surely.
3: I I do quote the book I'm writing. I I quote Johnny Castle when he says, uh, this is my dance space. This is your dance space. Because in our businesses in corporate America, boundaries matter. Mm. Um, But yeah, I've done karaoke in Bismarck, North Dakota, Des Moines, Iowa. And I've done salsa dancing. In Bozeman, Montana. Let's in go. Berlin, Berlin, Germany.
2: I did it in Cali, the home of Salsa when I lived in Colombia. So and did you carry a watermelon?
3: Again, you're you're above my pay grade, Don. I don't
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do <love> think <laughs> <Or Dems. laughs> So Robert, my move my best, move of... the
1: best part of that movie is I've carried the watermelon. <laughs> Like it's the best quote of the whole movie. So if you know nothing else about Dirty Dancing, now you know
2: I, that that's. I
3: clearly best. have my YouTube homework tonight.
2: And you got to get the back and the shoulders right when you're walking across that <laughs> road as well. And, oh, and nobody puts oh, baby oh, oh, okay. in the corner yes, That's what I was going to say exactly.
0: <laughs> Normally we have like an hour long episode, and then we have an hour of this relationship-driven growth strategy session. That being said, I feel like this has been awesome, and. This has really opened up my eyes to the idea. This is the first time that a guest's connection didn't work or, you know, anything like that. And while that's happened in the past with the Not Your Average Investor show, and it's me and Greg, so we're able to just kind of like riff on each other and go a different direction. It's never, it never happened to me as a solo host doing it, but the buoyancy of community strikes again, right? Like the call dropped and we were still able to get into something valuable. Exchange some ideas, have, have a good, you know, kind of like back and forth and provide that entertainment, education, inspiration, kind of like a couple of pieces. Um Miko, I see you, I see you coming, I see you coming out of the camera. You got you got something to share, or anything to say before I was gonna I was just gonna say we don't have other kind of like things that we
2: maybe we no, watched.
0: I just uh popped up because I feel kind of like a responsible for the Ah, don't worry about it, man. So, Miko was an introduction. So, Robert introduced us. But uh, listen, man, it was an interesting conversation to have, right? It just, he had to visit his mom in Phoenix and it it didn't work out. It's no big deal, man. Sure. It was an interesting conversation at any level. I learned a lot. So, thanks, everyone. Yeah, thank you, man. So, that being said, anything else to kind of like workshop that anybody wants to work through? Anything like that or...
1: I just had a request about, I know I might've missed um, what was being said, but I was intrigued about the conversation around what are we doing and how is it um, feasible to promote ourselves authentically online? What does that look like right now in a challenging time when the industry is so shifty and, there's people getting laid off and the holidays are coming now and it's just a funky time to be an entrepreneur business and trying to be a startup and building a business because I'm only in my second year of business. So curious if anyone has positive, you know, <laughs> inspiring feedback or something not going to make me feel like I want to... Jump on. Yeah, one
2: of the things I've found in that, I mean, as you know, I've mentored people over the last 23, 25 years. And every time we have something like this happen, because there's always something. Don't be afraid to keep your prices as they are. Never reduce your prices because that's just buying into the fear. Just keep showing up. And if people don't want, because the thing is, it's like it's like that inception idea. Once that seed has been sown, that things are going bad they will go bad but if people stay positive and you just keep showing up and you don't buy into that narrative you will attract other people that are not buying into the narrative and you'll attract the people that have still got the money to spend the people that are still doing business just be you and don't buy into it it's like if If you did not watch the TV or the television and you did not and you were by a waterfall with no media and you just showed up as yourself, you wouldn't know what was going on in and around the world. So just keep doing that. Just stay laser focused on what it is you want to achieve and you'll attract those people that are
0: also laser focused. That's great advice. Deb, I think where Robert was taking it, which I very much echo with, is this idea of be comfortable with something that you're showing up with that is a value on the front end that allows people to be like, okay, yeah, I got something here. So, like, when you're talking about showing up online authentically, in that regard, right? Like he was talking about kind of like having a personal lead magnet. I've used some version of that in different ways. I've never kind of like systemized it the way he did, and I was gonna interested in kind of how he did that, but when it comes to showing up online i think thinking about what's in it for the person that is viewing the content is always is always the right move right like in good times or in bad right like um i think there is you're definitely going to have opportunities to make an ask right and you're going to you're going to have opportunities to do that i think anytime that you can Do that with value as this is what I'm doing these days. And I believe that you're going to win quicker the way that I do it versus the way that it's normally done in the industry, right? Like, what is the thing that you're different about when you're making an ask? I think is a really thing to approach, right? And then beyond that, have the general content be the things that you're learning, the things that you're observing, your best advice that you have to give in general. That's been my formula for what it's worth, right? And then the best things I'm learning from other people. Right. So that's been my that
3: making this
0: That's been that's been my approach for what it's worth. And I think it it still worked during COVID, right? Like when everybody was hurting, it was still like, hey, COVID is happening. We're now headed into this world. Where we're all like isolated. This is what I believe about networking right now and community building right now. Right. Like I started going to a bunch of online events to be the curator of what makes a good online networking thing and then started talking about it. I adapted my speaking points of how you walk into a room and make friends to how you do it on a Zoom call and make friends, right? So like always contextualizing to the current pain of the moment or looking for new observations that this new reality now provides or what is different about what you do as opposed to why you're better or worse.
2: I think also, building on what Pablo's just said, where you were saying, pay attention to what's going on. Like, I did not pay attention to the pandemic. And what I found was that people were more relieved and willing to work with me because it wasn't part of my dialogue. It wasn't part of my conversation because they were just drowning in it. And it was like, oh, God, it's so good not to talk about it. I'm like, stop talking about it. We're not talking about it. Move on. And I would cut the conversation dead straight away.
0: That's a way to be different. Mm. Right. I agree with that, by the way. Like I didn't start posting about like what COVID is doing. Like that wasn't my expertise in any way. Oh, I just, what, listen, I, before before COVID was the was the tragedy, like s- slowly, shortly before that, it was Kobe Bryant dying in a helicopter crash. And mm. I've been a huge fan of Kobe my whole life. I have like a networking speaking point of where I like compare myself to Kobe. I didn't go out there and start like talking about Kobe. You know, like, I don't know. I think that stuff goes on dead ears to what to what Donna is saying. If you start trying to just like get into like what the problem is or like why the economy is so bad, it's not going to it's probably not going to help you in any other way except for maybe allowing you to like vent or whatever that is. But I don't think it's it's not going to move the needle for your business unless you figure out how to be different about the conversation itself.
5: I I love this conversation. I think to me like talking about the pandemic was more like a small talk like everybody if you don't have something of substance which dawn i cannot imagine you ever not having something of substance to talk about then if you can't find something in common with somebody what we had in common was you know the pandemic if we if we chose to talk about it but like pablo saying if you're different than you already have something you want to share with people and who cares what's going on as long as you're healthy Mm -hmm. and your family's healthy let's talk about what we can offer people
0: totally agree did that help Deb?
1: yeah it's good context to just talk workshop out things with people i think um you know, I, there's a lot of people in the coaching consulting space that um, are, and, and in all the spaces I've just, there's a lot of layoffs happening. There's a lot of people that are not investing in certain things right now. There's, that's just a fact. So I don't think we can like dismiss that, that it doesn't exist because I think it does, but I also in some areas, depending on what you're doing. Right. Yeah. However, I think, the same message is true is we still do things. We still life still continues and things will rebound and you just have to keep showing up regardless of what today is. And that's what I've been working on doing every day of just continuing to show up. Sometimes it's harder to show up when you're just feeling beaten down a lot by these situations happening of people like saying those things and, you know,
0: that I'll tell you, man, I very much echo with your journey and in the way that you're living it in public, right? Like I'm living the same journey, right? Like I last, last week I felt very burned out and I was taking, I took a lot of solace in that the weekend prior I emceed this conference for uh general contractors. And it really felt like everybody in that room was like, yeah, I didn't really make any real money for the first three years. And it wasn't until like year four where I started really like feeling like I was making a living and I'm like, Oh man, really? <laughs> like, Cause this whole time, my first three years, I felt like a piece of shit, <laughs> you know, like, but just, just the idea that it doesn't really help when you're like in the trenches and you're just like, fuck, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, figure out how to like increase my quality of life right now. But the idea that very successful people have, created very successful businesses and it didn't really start coming together till year four I think is something that allows us to be kinder to ourselves of why we're not there yet in years one through three right and that's kind of what I took away from that conference even though it just destroyed me to like be burned out and then have to MC a conference for a weekend and then go into the next week of work like that was the really really big bright spot of it all so for whatever that's worth man I hope it uh Hope it gives you a little bit of ammo and your like ability to be kind to yourself with it all.
1: Totally. And like the the thing that I, I'm working on some new concepts around my book because I'm doing a crowdfunding campaign and I've had challenges with this and I'm doing everything very public. Like you're mentioning, I'm just I'm being really just transparent about everything I'm doing on social media and how things are flowing and as I navigate these like different, okay, that didn't work. Now I'm pivoting this way, (laughs) kind of things and I'm putting together a deck. And one of the things I learned and really thought about was there's 200, according to the study, there's 270 million content creators in the world. 23 million have less than 1000 followers and 46% are full-time. And only 10% of influencers earn more than $100,000 annually. And when you put those numbers and you realize, and those are people that have probably been doing it for 10 years or more. So to talk about the fact that somebody's going to be making six figures in their first year of business. And that this is a thing that people are talking about all the time. Like, how do you get to your six figures? And you're basically in your first year or two of business. It yeah. seems very unrealistic to me. Anyway, I can't speak for anybody else, but for.
2: I'm going to jump in here because you just reminded me and I really, well, if she, the woman had been stood in front of me, I think I really would have bitch slapped her because she kept banging on about how you could do your self-publishing and make six figures in your first year. What she wasn't telling people is, though, there was a five-figure overhead that went with that and a very high one. Because to publish a book, and you know that I've published quite a few, (laughs) uh, you know, on average, if you're going to do it properly, it will cost you around about 35, 35 grand, okay? Because you've got all your legalities, you've got your structural Proofreading, structural editing, your line editing, your proofreading, your cover design, all your registration fees. And then on top of all of that, you've got the time it takes you to actually write the book. Now, I'm interested to know how you're doing your funding for it. So if you want to jump on a call with me and we can thrash out some ideas, I can point you in some directions if you want. More than happy to do that with you, Deb. I think, you know, anything I can do to help you. But again, it's like looking at, When I was first in business 24, 23, four years ago, I had a mentor who said to me, depending on what kind of business you're doing will depend on how long you last in business and whether you'll start making your profit. Because a lot of people, they'll say, I made, you know, I was this, I was clearing. And if they have got, if they're just selling their time They don't have many overheads. And this is what we see when so many people are banging on about how much money and how much profit they made in their first, second, third and fourth and fifth year. They're not actually taking in. People aren't thinking, well, how is their business in a lot is it a similar do they have costs and overheads is it time that they're selling and if so how much is that time and it's like I say to a lot of my clients when you look at how long it takes you to get a client and you divide the price per that you get per client divided by the amount of hours you've put into it some of them are making less than minimum wage in like a teenager would get Mm -hmm. and it's like you need to actually look at what you're doing and stop comparing yourself to other people. This is the lifestyle I want to live. This is how much my lifestyle is going to create. Um the, sorry, this is how much I think Lockhead calls it um the party, the cost of the party. I love it. So now I'm laughing all the way through this book, by the way. I'm like, he's great. stolen my well, he's stolen half my content. I'm absolutely sure of it. But the thing is, if you know what kind of lifestyle you want and you've costed that up and then you put your contingency, it doesn't matter what other people are charging, it doesn't matter what their overheads are, because yours are going to be different. you just got to focus on you and you will attract those people. You honestly will. And if you break even in the first year, fantastic. If you break even in the third year or the fifth year, again, fantastic. But We've got to stop comparing ourselves to other people. Absolutely. We are not them. Their lifestyles are not them. Our dreams are not theirs. Focus on you, Deb. You're amazing. You're lovely. And what you, your expertise, the amount you've invested, the dreams you have, they're yours. No one else can tell you that's right or wrong. So you just do you. And if anyone wants to tell you not, then send them to me and I'll, and I'll have a word that's just how it is <laughs> I'm on one today I've been in the library all day researching war and human rights and it's like raw oh! thank you it's
1: you're very welcome darling you, anytime God. and Pablo thank you and Penny thank you for sharing all of, all of your th- feedback and comments and yeah, yeah. so many people quote like revenue okay great you've made a hundred thousand dollars but did it cost you fifty thousand dollars then then you didn't make (laughs) then you made fifty thousand or whatever or did it cost you seventy thousand dollars and you actually only really made a thousand right and that's more realistic right you know like and there's,
5: there's there's evidence of people that are doing launches that actually cost them money
1: that's why I'm doing a crowdfunding campaign for my book. So the reason I'm doing a crowdfunding campaign for my book was because I don't have money. <laughs> so I need money. And once I realized, I researched and understood how much the book, the product that I want to put out into the world that has my name on it, that I want to use as my like extension of a business card and that I want to use with clients and that I want to put that out in the world, that's going to cost me a certain amount of money that I don't physically have in my bank account. And I also teach my clients that they should validate before building. And that's what I'm trying to do with the crowdfunding campaign is validate, you know, while I'm writing it, I'm going to write the book. It's going to happen. There's no question about it. It's a matter of I want to try to get buy-in and validation before I'm even putting it out there and I'm not writing the book and then just hoping that maybe three people in the world will say that's a good book or I'll buy that. But like, I've already got people who are like, yes, I want Deb's book. And have committed to me, it's not nearly what I thought it was going to, how it was going to happen. It's not nearly as fast as I thought it was going to be. And it's taking an extremely amount of lots of time and energy. And I'm figuring out how to do it differently now to get, yeah, to where do we find your, your class on campaign? I will send it to you in the link. What is your book about, Deb? Community building. About community building. It's it's about community building, building an online community. Right now, I'm in the process of researching community platforms because uh, based on my uh, meeting with a colleague who is in book publishing, she recommended that I start to um, get sponsorship at a higher dollar amount so that I'm not um, as dependent on individuals versus um, larger organizations that could pay a higher premium price and be a part of the book and then solve two problems. One problem being the number one question I get as a consultant is what community platform do you recommend? And I can answer that question by having the platforms themselves um, pay to advertise in my book, which is something that I've never heard of people doing, but this was something that was recommended to me as a strategy around how to increase the funding, the backers, the dollar amount on my crowdfunding campaign. Yep. And um, and still running, I extended the crowdfunding campaigns at the end of the year, and I decided to change the strategy.
0: You brought up something that struck me as interesting literally earlier today. I know I talk about category pirates all the time and Don is reading Snow Leopard. I think it's a good resource for anybody that's writing a book today but one of the one of the things that they have done and you you probably already know this but they have essentially created a they've created now two books by actually three books i own the physical copy of all three of them by starting a substack newsletter that was essentially chapter by chapter what they ended up compiling into their books so by like building by writing it out in in the open and creating subscribers, they actually charge 200 bucks a year for their newsletter. You're probably not going to get that. But like, just the idea of writing it in public and getting people to vouch for how good it is to begin with. And then they went as far as to say, hey, anybody want a digital copy of this thing for free when they went to launch? And they would send it to people. But it was just the amount of word of mouth that they created enough for people to then go buy that hard book. And the super fans like myself... I'm subscribed for 200 books a year to them. Plus I buy all their books just because I need to have them because I need to have that badge of honor. But this idea of writing a chapter, putting it on the newsletter that you don't have to tell people that it's going to end up being the book, but it is the newsletter topic that you're writing and then being able to then get the feedback from the people that read it to then make it a little bit better before it goes to the book. You're nodding. It sounds like you probably already know the strategy and you're doing it, but I I I would have felt bad if I didn't bring it up, right? Because that's like... I no, think that's a
1: Great strategy. I didn't really know people were doing this, but this is what I changed. That's exactly what I changed was so instead of like writing the book, trying to like get overwhelmed and stressed, not sure if I was going to sell it, getting myself into even more debt by like fronting all the costs on my own. I stopped. I said, pause. <laughs> How can we adjust this now? And I'm writing the book as we speak. So in the process of writing, I joined a group to help me keep kind of accountable with continuing to write the book throughout the, the next two months. But basically, mm-hmm. I started doing some blog posts about the book. I started writing. I do have a weekly email mm-hmm. that... Um, that I send out every Sunday. And so on the e- Sunday email, I usually put something in there about what I'm writing on this week or something like that. I also have a form that I've been sending to community builders, which I'll send you as well, because I'd like your feedback on it, but just from community builders, their experience, like what they've learned so that we can put those little pieces. And now I'm going through the podcast and I've done 92 interviews to date uh, with community builders. So I'm going back to those episodes, pooling content from those and basically piecing it into different areas of the book. And so between learning from what I'm doing currently and talking with people and then bringing them into and being a part of it on LinkedIn is where I'm basically focused on the platform. The LinkedIn platform is where I've been sharing this primarily and then mm-hmm. my email list. So yeah, I've, I'm doing those. And I think that's the biggest lesson that I learned so far was if I'm writing a book about community, I want people to be a part of it. And yeah. so how, how better than to ask people while I'm writing the, by the book, how has community affected your life? What have you learned about community building? And then that's going to go in the book.
0: <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Wholeheartedly love everything that you're doing. The slight mm-hmm. difference that these guys are doing is that they're literally publishing the chapter as the newsletter. I I started
1: to do that with the blog and then I realized it was too much bandwidth wise for me and that I need, it was getting me away from writing the book. And Mm. so I was worried more about posting than writing the book. And so there's a separation I needed to create about like, okay, I'm going to put some stuff on the blog and some stuff, um, and share them with the email list of people, but I need to like figure out what the, what I want, at least get my crappy, my shitty rough draft by the end of the year. So I've got that so that I can get that to somebody who can like read through it and understand Deb's crazy brain and say, okay, Deb, now here's how we can format, you know, and all that stuff. But yeah, great suggestions. And I'm glad that there's people actively not only doing this, but actually making income off of it because it's mind blowing to think about like before you even, and what I really like about this strategy is that you're building momentum for the book. So instead of like already have done a book and now you're like, okay, I wrote the book, it's published, it's on Amazon. And today I'm announcing it. Great. Yeah. Alex Sanfilippo from pod yeah, he just announced it. He did yeah. this great project. We didn't know about it until he announced it today, right? But he announced this project that he did with community members who he actually got together and they did a content sharing book together, which is another way of doing a book. If you don't want to be an author of a book, or if you want to just bring people's voices into one compilation, I think that's a great way to empower members in a community to, for them, and and then it's on that on your host aspect. It's not you creating the content; it's them creating the content. You're kind of like the person who's just being the stage. You're just like letting them be the stage. I'm glad you
0: said it without me saying it.
1: I knew where <laughs> we were going with it.
0: <laughs> Don is calling me out for for trying to make dinner, but really, what I was doing is looking through. So the other point that I wanted to make: so ultimate sales machine, right? Amanda's Amanda's new edition of this book. Your boy made it onto it, right? Right there, Pablo Gonzalez, be the stage. I follow his strategies. I was so pumped to get this book because my fucking name is on it that like, even though I had pre-ordered from the publisher, I literally ordered it off of Amazon over the weekend because I'm like, I need to look through this, highlight it and make sure that I actually made it onto like a business book. That being said, as I was doing that, I kind of arrived to where you're at. This idea of like, why wouldn't an author that's writing a, a book about a certain subject matter in a professional field, not reach out to companies of which they would behoove them to be a case study inside of said book and not offer to do this at a certain cost based like, yeah, man, you're going to be, I'm writing this and this, this is the architecture of it. And at the end of the day, I've got this case study that I could write about Common Room or this case study that I could write about Orbit I'm debating on who to pick. If you would like to help me put this book out, I would love to make it about you, right? Like, I think it's a very viable strategy. And I don't know if you've already gone down the path of like either talking to the software, right, Common Room and Orbit and like all these folks, but like that that idea that you're having of like pitching companies that could be a case study that you could incorporate into the book, I think is really, really smart. Thank you. Yeah.
1: I think it's, I think it's a good, I think it's a good idea. And I think, um, while there's certainly only a certain, um, type of platform I'm going to be pitching, it's not going to be like enterprise platforms. It's going to be platforms that are going to make sense for my readers who are creators, not necessarily business entrepreneurial, not business enterprise companies. They're more entrepreneurial people. Um, that's going to make a difference but i also um i also got positive feedback from one platform already that they're they're like yeah when you've got your pitch deck sent over i'll connect you with the director of marketing so that we can nice. make sure um, right. You get a, get a meeting. So I'm just, everything is such a learning curve, but I'm trying yeah. to like, just do it. So just keep going with the keep going with yeah. emotions. And so yeah. thank you. Thank you for yeah. your.
0: And, and, and I like where you just went, right? Like maybe it doesn't have to be these like big softwares that are venture funded, right? Like if you go to like the smaller businesses, right. To someone like me paying you 500 bucks to be in your book, probably makes more sense than it does to Orbit, right? Like of just like, what is, you know, you can say like a smaller company that has less kind of like already uplift. And you're like, you can say that you were a case study in XYZ book and good luck getting on a book otherwise, buddy. Like, you know what I mean? The idea that I'm going to put As Seen on Best on the Ultimate Sales Machine all over my website is real, right? Like the idea that somebody that hasn't been featured in a big publication or in a book or whatever and is looking for that social validation to put on their website, that's probably a good, it's like, do you want to pay a PR agency to see if they can write a thing on like entrepreneur for you? Or would you rather say that you were a case study on in like a book that I am publishing, right? Like, and it comes with 20 copies that you can give to your clients or blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can stack that offer.
1: Yeah. You, you, Mark- yeah, that's what I'm working on is, is the marketing strategy yeah. around this pitch deck right now.
0: Multiple copies, and, and you them. creating content for them to like present to their community about stuff about them. You know, like I'm trying to think of other ways to stack that deck, right? But yeah, co-creation of content, copies, being like a guest writer on their blog, like Tom, writing stuff you. for them, creating question I frameworks.
1: Meetup. I'm going to have David Siegel, who is on your podcast, Pablo. He's going to be episode 100 for the Community Strategy Podcast. Let's go. Um, He's uh, agreed to meet with me. So, and I just interviewed Richard Millington this past week. And so, yeah. So, that's awesome. We're getting the the big players in for the, uh, and I'm closing. I'm ending the the community strategy podcast at the end of the year. So right as we hit a hundred, it's going to hit the end of the year, and that will give me time and space that I need to work on focusing on the book.
0: Love so, it,
2: love it. I have a quick question before you go. Just listening to everything that you've said, I don't see how this book cannot get funded and be a huge success because you seem to have everything in place. Just have to stay positive, darling. You really do. Thank because you, you're doing all the things. You've got all the people. You've, you say you've got a support network. And the thing is, when we're looking at the, the Substack newsletter, yeah, it's $300, which is slightly cheaper. And when you think about it, that's already a network. That's 20 pounds and $20 a month. If there's only 10 months, which, you know, when you take in December and August, nobody does anything in those months anyway, really, which should be your busiest month. And so that's the thing. It's like once you've got those all sorted, I really don't see why $200 a month. I mean, I already twigged that what was going in the newsletter was going in the book. So, and you know, for me, like I I mean, I had Tim Ferriss's book for our work week as a PDF, like as a pre-release copy. For months, didn't read it. The moment I had the book in my hand, it was read in a weekend. Yeah. And that's the same with uh, Snow Leopard. I mean, <laughs> like the amount of legal tabs that are in it. And that's the thing. It's like, so looking at what you're doing, the only thing I would say is just flip some of your mindset in some of the ways. Because it's already done. It's already done. Really is. You've done so much. And, uh,
0: yeah you've totally got this
1: thank you community
0: community and hey, listen i would not i would not bet against either of you two ladies <laughs> like, <laughs> i would definitely not bet against you deb i've seen your hustle man i think it's super impressive
1: thank you well good to talk with everyone yes. thank you again okay,
0: all right now i am really gonna go cook some, <laughs> cook, cook some food see you later All right. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and you got a bunch of value out of it. And if you did, it would mean the world to me. If you reached out to our guest and let them know what you learned, what you thought about it, everything that you need to connect with them is going to be in the show notes. And on top of that, why don't you double up and reach out to me? I'd love to hear from you. It really is why I do this, is so that I can meet awesome people. I would love to hear from anybody that you think should be on this podcast, including yourself, about how you build world-class relationships, how you create community, how you lead companies in this relationships over transactions methodology. And if you believe in that stuff, that is what we're doing at my company. Be the stage. You can check it out at be stage.live. But the Cliff Notes version is, we've learned that most companies know that they need to be making content and they know that they really want to drive a community. But where do you start with that stuff? The best way to start doing that is to create an internet talk show because it allows you to create a strategic relationship with a guest one-to-one while you create strategic relationships with the audience one to few. And then when we repurpose the show for you and spread it out all over social media, you're creating relationships one to many. It is the ultimate relationship driven growth engine to feed your entire pipeline, marketing team, and customer success. What companies call their go to market strategy can now be driven by community. If you're interested in that, go to be the check it out, reach out to me. I would love to create an internet talk show just for you. Now, if you'll indulge me, I'm going to take a play out of the book of one of my heroes, Christopher Lockhead, the godfather of category design, co-author of my favorite business book, Play Bigger, and my favorite newsletter, Category Pirates, which I'm going to link in the show notes because I think you should subscribe. It's the smartest thing basically in the world. Anyways, at the end of his podcast, which is Follow Your Different, he always shouts out and gives a roll call to people that he thanks. And I want to do that, too. I want to thank my team at Be The Stage. I want to thank JP, who is the editor of this content, the guy that makes all the cool micro content and makes everything look cool. Joanna, who distributes a lot of the stuff. She writes a lot of the descriptions. Nicola, who is... Uh, my buddy that I've been mentoring for a couple of years out of Bulgaria, a really bright 15-year-old kid that writes a lot of the captions on social media. Marge, who is always keeping track of everything. She is the executive assistant of the dreams that all come true. Gina, who is a world-class integrator. She is our COO. She is the one that is just making all the processes happen. Whenever I say something, she designs a way to make it happen. It's incredible. My business partner, Isar, who with Without him, none of this stuff could be possible. That guy is the best. He's got an awesome podcast. It's called the Business Growth Accelerator. You should totally check that out. I want to thank my parents, they're my inspiration, they're the best, my family, I love them to pieces, my wife, Marta, who is my muse and my inspiration for everything. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, go do it now, but before you do that, if you haven't checked out either episode 7 or episode 69, those are my 2019 and 2020 last call tracks where I give this like rapping, talking, motivational speech over like a really cool beat. It's actually the beat that I have on this podcast right now that I had custom Produced by my guy Michael out of Russia who's a sick beat producer check that stuff out that is the origin story of my business the origin story of what I'm up to and it's really what I am most proud of episode 7 episode 69 of this podcast hope to see you on the next one hit me up on social media I love you don't forget relationships over transactions that is the way that you win it's a long game human beings are happiest when they're in service so serve others and you will be able to open any door that you ever wanted. Never forget that. If you don't know how to serve others, everybody needs an extra cheerleader. Cheer for people. Be invested in their future. See what you can do for them. It all comes back in the long run. I really hope you reach out to me. I want to meet you. I want to talk to you. I want to help you achieve your dreams. Have an awesome, awesome, awesome rest of your day.